0: Welcome to Athrobeth, a podcast exploring the amazing horses of Tolkien's Legendarium.
1: Have we got any corrections calls to sack this week? I
0: don't think so. I think, you know, we just are perfect. So, no, right?
1: (laughs) All right. Well,
0: that's an easy one. Uh, You know, you can always contact us on Twitter if if you have uh, a beef with anything. Tell us your beef. Yeah. We are... uh, what is our name? <laughs> a- Athrobeth underscore cast. That's right. Let us um, know if we need some corrections, Kols de Sacks. Sacks? Oh, no. I'm embarrassed with my French.
1: Coles Now we're sack. moving
0: on. Kols yeah. de Sack. This week,
1: out of gratitude for putting up with many, many weeks of souls and f- religious f- flimframmery uh, over the, the last few months... <laughs> Uh, we're going to be discussing horses, the various horses of Middle Earth for Steph, but I'm pleased to say that this has turned into a much, much more interesting episode than I was anticipating. Thanks to a truly amazing outline, uh, that Steph put together for us.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes, I love horses very much, and I am willing to do homework for them. So you have you can take that to the horse bank. <laughs> Is that like a and thank piggy you bag? for indulging me. Uh, if anybody wants to send me a pony, let me know. I'll get you my PO box number. We shove that pony right in there. That'd be great.
1: Well, I'm Just looking forward his to nose.
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for humoring me this month. And it really, actually, was really fun to explore all these. Uh, horse boys and actually no horse girls all horse boys right Oi,
1: i don't know the difference you'll have to you'll have to educate me on 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 it so
0: oh brother all right well we've got many trails to trot so let's begin
1: So, uh, the way we're going to approach this, um, it should be noted that uh, my original idea for this episode was to simply list off all the horses in Middle-earth and tell you whether or not we thought they were good boys or not. Any any <laughs> semblance of intellectual structure to this episode that exists is entirely due to Steph's excellent work. Uh Thank you. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to take a look at Tolkien's relationship with horses to start, um, how familiar he was with them, and how they how familiar he was with them in literature. Then we're going to take a look at uh, where they appear in his legendarium. Uh, we're going to look at some horsey words in Quenya and Sindarin. We're going to look at where they appear in the Silmarillion. And then we're going to get into the good stuff, uh, a.k.a. Rohan. Uh, yeah. This is Steph's, Steph's jam section.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was almost a Freudian slip there, and I'm okay with it. That
1: was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we'll talk about the horses of Lord of the Rings. And then we'll talk about some of the, the bad horses, um, or no horses bad.
0: Yeah, I think I like to call them the baddies horses.
1: Ah, I see. Putting see the emphasis on the bad ease, horses. Right, like,
0: so it's the bad guys, the horses of the bad guys.
1: Got it. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's get started here. Um, This first section is interesting to me because I just read this um, in anticipation nice. of a future episode, which you guys will hear in the near future. Um, I am rereading Tolkien and the Great War, uh, The Threshold of Middle-Earth by John Garth, I'm actually listening to it on audiobook, read by the author, John Garth, yes. which I highly recommend. He has an excellent reading voice. Um, so
0: excellent. Yeah, please. that's a, It's such a great read, and um, he is very charming as an author. So, John, give me a call. All right, that's inappropriate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I take that back immediately. I'm sorry, John. My apologies. Okay, let's um, continue.
1: But it has an interesting note, which uh, I caught when I first was listening, reading it and listening to it. Uh, but apparently, and I didn't know this, uh, Tolkien was a very familiar with horses, uh, to the point that when he was at Exeter college in Oxford, he joined briefly, apparently, uh, the King Edward's horse regiment, uh, which were a regiment of men that were resident of residents of the British Isles, but were born overseas. Uh, he was born in South Africa and, um, he was a member of this regiment in 1911 to, or 1912 to about 1913. Sorry. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, he, he quit like in January of 1913 after a period of like having to stay outside in a camp with them <laughs> with, yeah, that's in the right. South coast of England, which is so funny. Cause I feel like he was like, Oh, F this goodbye.
1: <laughs> yeah. Got a taste for the, uh, the military life. and was like,
0: yeah. <laughs> It is windy down here in the south coast of England. I am laving. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, the horses were borrowed from local hunting associations, which is interesting uh, to me. But anyway, he apparently had an affinity for horses. Um, Garth describes Tolkien as a breaker in. Um, He would no sooner finish breaking in one horse than they would take the horse from him and give him another wily beast to, to break in. So that was interesting. I didn't know that about him, that he was that, uh, good with, with, with horses. You have this image of Tolkien as a, you know, plaid covered pipe smoking professor, and you don't always, (laughs) uh, picture him as a robust young man getting up to shenanigans and riding horses. So that was cool to to learn that he was as, uh, he had this skill that I didn't know about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think we see, I think i i don't know who knows really but one might jump to the conclusion that all of you know these wonderful heroes throughout the legendarium that we see all have a great steed many of them um that accompany them and i don't know i just kind of like that idea that tolkien is a horse nerd his very soul because oh so my it's great i'm really into it <laughs>
1: yeah it certainly is at a minimum you can you can say that he had a familiarity with horsemanship and that subject that a lot of these heroes from the the sagas and the epics that he was reading that more you know modern authors might not have, um, and I think that's interesting and in that he knew about the stuff that he was writing about. He had a, a, a familiarity with with some of this stuff, so that was cool.
0: Absolutely. And what an excellent segue you have oh, done
1: I know, right? to our
0: next section where we're going to kind of talk about horses in literature that um, Tolkien, you know, was influenced by. So where, what are some of his horsey influences? <laughs> Why don't you start on them? Sure. Well, so I, I kind of looked into this a little bit because I, I just wanted to know, like, what was he being, what was sort of informing Tolkien's writings maybe possibly who knows but uh so i I, the first thing i thought of of course is beowulf because we know you know okay beowulf old english poem super old written between 700 and probably like 1000 ad somewhere around there tolkien's kind of a beowulf guru right
1: yes he (laughs) that is an accurate way of describing it um very accurate
0: He, he basically popularized it right in modern literature by translating it and teaching it is that is that how that went
1: um. So the short version is that Tolkien, Beowulf was being read one specific way for a very long time. And Tolkien said, you're all, y'all are being dumb. And you're <laughs> reading it the wrong way. Tolkien's relationship with Beowulf is, is probably a subject for a longer, a longer piece, but people were reading it in a really historical way, like looking for like historical factoids in it and, or like looking at it in They weren't reading it like literature, right? Um,
0: Like poetry, right?
1: Yeah, and Tolkien was Tolkien wanted them to read it like a like like the whole thing. He wanted he wanted them to to sort of take the whole piece in. So yeah, um, that makes sense. He 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 did write an excellent translation of it, which is available and I highly recommend. Um, But he really did um, kind of issue in a a renaissance of uh scholarship about beowulf
0: that's cool well so that you know i knew all that of course i didn't just learn that right now no i'm just kidding (laughs) that's why i wanted to take a look at it um for this horse episode so there's a couple times where we see horses come up um throughout beowulf they're not like hugely um you know the subject of anything but they're there Um, one time in particular, um, you know, Beowulf and all those Danes, they went out and they killed that Grendel guy, put his arm above the door, whatever, however that went. Um, and King Hrothgar is like, oh my guys, good job. That was amazing. I'm going to have a banquet in your honor because you did such a great job killing Grendel. So he's like so happy with the work that Beowulf did that he gives him weapons and armor and treasure and all this cool stuff, including eight of King Hrothgar's finest horses. And he presents Beowulf's men with all this cool stuff too. It's basically like a big awesome party that I am mad I was not invited to. <laughs> Whatever, if we're giving out horses, you know, send me an invitation. Uh so I found this interesting uh paper called Hrothgar's Horses, Feral or Thoroughbred, by a woman named Jennifer Neville. And she writes um and she basically writes uh her point is that Well, that's not not our only point, but what she says is there are these sort of main passages where these horses appear, and they are always signs of, like, generosity and kind of kingly treasures of great value, and they are kind of given to show reciprocal loyalty and gratitude, Um, and they kind of indicate uh, class and prestige. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I think we see a little bit of that in Hmm. Tolkien's work, right? What do you think?
1: No, I absolutely agree. I I think... As we look at the horses that we'll be looking at tonight, um, I think it'll be interesting to keep those qualities in mind. Kingly generosity and treasures that are exchanged to show reciprocal loyalty and gratitude. I mean, where have we seen a king reward loyalty and gratitude with with a steed? You know?
0: shadow Shadowfax. Shadowfax, Shadow shadowfax Shadow Facts? Is that what you're saying?
1: No, that's actually that's not what I was actually thinking. Ooh. I was thinking of um Stiba, the pony that was given by Th- uh, Theoden uh to Mary.
0: Yes, totally. That's awesome. I totally forgot about stiba
1: Yeah, and then obviously uh as indicating class and prestige, certainly the the Maris. Uh so we'll talk about and we'll be talking about them at great length. Sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I
1: think as we talk about all these horses, I think we can keep these qualities in mind mm-hmm. um, and see if, the, as see see them, sort of how they may he may have had that those qualities in mind as he was using horses in his literature.
0: Absolutely. Well, the next kind of piece of literature that I chose to look at um, is the very famous Volsunga Saga which is a 13th century Icelandic poem that tells the story of the Volsung family, basically. Um, it's so interesting, because in college, I didn't end up minoring in it. I ended up minoring in Norwegian, but I went to a Lutheran college, even though I'm not Lutheran. And I did a ton of like Scandinavian studies classes. And the, we all were given out these... In one class, we were all given out these sagas to do. And we had to, like, make a family tree and figure out all the stuff that happened. And that was the one I was given. It was so cool. So I actually know the Valsanga saga pretty well. But don't ask me anything about it. Because it was a long, <laughs> it was a long time ago. But I just love this saga. So that was pretty nifty um, to find out that actually Tolkien loved this saga as well, right? Um, I really like fact, the, uh,
1: the reference from uh tolkien in the great war where he yeah. uh he wins this this uh the this prize i can 't remember the skeet prize, I think it was skeet called
0: prize yeah
1: for English, for English literature or something like that, and he takes the prize money and he goes and he buys a, <laughs> an expensive volume of Icelandic poetry
0: of course he does <laughs> it 's a like, party, why not
1: <laughs> I, I seem to recall the passage people were like slightly scandalized that this is how he went and spent this prize money it was a a volume of esoteric or sort of weird icelandic poetry uh, that was funny it was very tolkien
0: that's amazing oh boy what a dork well so we know that yeah so we know that he had purchased this and read it and um i think it comes up a few times so there's a part in the valsanga saga where uh one of the heroes of the story is named sigurd and He is going into the woods to, like, choose a horse. He's like, I'm going to choose a horse. It's horse time for me, luckily. And he comes across this old dude in the forest. And the old dude's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm going to go choose a horse. And the old dude's like, oh, cool, I'll come too. That sounds fun. So they go in to check out some horses, and they take him down to a river, and they're looking at them, And uh, they end up kind of, the old man kind of motivates Sigurd to choose this one particular big handsome gray horse and it and the old man tells him that no one has ever mounted this horse before and the old man says this horse is the kin of sleipnir who was of course we know it's odin's that's his eight-legged horse right that's so that's kind of a fancy horse as horses go Mm. so this was some kin some you know family member of Sleipnir and that is the one that Sigurd ends up choosing um, and he names the horse Grani I think that's how you would say it I don't know and at the oh and the (laughs) the crux of the story it's like the old man's like cool all right peace out he vanishes and it turns out the old man was Odin all along of course
1: the old (laughs) the old man in in Norse tales is always Odin
0: of course it is how could it not be but again, I like that idea that it was this big, We is a gray horse, first of all, and you'll see that a lot of these big horses that we're about to talk about are all gray. I don't know what that's about. Um, but the whole point is that no one had ever mounted it before, it was this kind of like handsome horse. Everyone knew about mm. it, but no one had ridden it before. And we do see that in Tolkien's work.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. There's a lot of stuff in here. The idea of a horse with a vaguely supernatural lineage and a horse that no one had ever mounted before. There's a lot. Uh, certainly there's themes in, in this story that we'll see coming back around, uh, in Tol- in, in, a, co- one specific story.
0: So. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Cue the air horn sounds. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the last thing I thought we should maybe talk about is the Kalevala, which is the 19th century Finnish epic poem. Um, horses, again, are they're kind of for transportation mostly in this poem. Um, but there is a story about a guy who's got a long name <laughs> who is like Kainen, But I'm going to call him Lemmy for the case of this story <laughs> because I can't pronounce his name. Well, now so I'm Lemmy picturing with...
1: Lemmy from Motorhead in this. So. Oh, oh okay.
0: R.I.P. Lemmy. Rip. Rip Lemmy. Lemmy forever. Um, so he wanted to marry this This kind of hotsy-totsy lady From this place called Pohola And apparently the hostess Of Pohola, which I don't know what that means It could be a mayoress I have no idea what this really means This person said That Lemmy could only marry the maid If he harnessed the fierce steed Of Hisi And he had to put a bridle on the flaming Horse of Hisi rapid messenger of lempo on the hisi plains and pastures which so lempo apparently is some devil type figure i don't really again i don't know i'm not finnish and if there's anybody from finland listening i'm very sorry uh i don't know but it's kind of interesting perhaps there's this kind of horse guy that somebody wants bridled as a gift maybe i don't know what do you think what do you think, uh,
1: this is interesting stuff we know that Tolkien was real real familiar with the Call of Aela. um it's yeah it's an interesting this this is an interesting one um where you have this is obviously a much more sort of mythological um one than some of the other ones we've seen The other ones are much more epic
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the sure. in the sort of narrative sense um this one is definitely much more mythological. I think this one maybe is is of the of the ones we've looked at is probably the least directly influencing, but I think it's still interesting to see that this is the these were the the pieces that he was reading this these were the the horses that he was being uh, exposed to, and it was interesting. Yeah, it's always useful to see the full range of influences, even if there isn't a direct line, especially with Tolkien who has that famous quote about allegory. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: and he, he really did love to throw everything in the pot. So sometimes it's not always obvious where he's getting his influences from. It could be a line. It could be a theme. So yeah, I think it's always good to look at the full range of uh, influences. And there's no denying that the Calavela was a huge influence on Tolkien.
0: Yeah, if anybody knows of any like really important horsies from literature that we missed in this list... Let us know on Twitter. Hashtag Athra horse. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right. So now we're going to, having looked at those sources, we're going to kind of start digging into Tolkien's horses. Uh, but first, because, uh, I still am here, uh, we're going to talk about some of the Quenya and Sindarin (laughs) words for horses. Oh boy. Um, so there's three Quenya words and two Sindarin words for horse. Um, there's a, more or less, there's a few odds and ends, but those are the, the big ones. Uh, Quenya and Sindarin have two main words for horse each. Uh, rocco and roch in Quenya and Sindarin respectively. Both mean horse and are derived from a primitive, a middle primitive Elvish root, rook which is glossed in the etymologies as run on foot. So you have this primitive root, which means run on foot, um, which through various sound changes and evolutions comes to roko and roch in Aquania and Sindarin, respectively. Similarly, uh, there is a middle primitive elvish root lob, which means horse, and (laughs) through various sound changes similarly you get in quenya olombo and in Sindarin labor
0: nice that's what i that's what i love about tolkien he's he's got a primitive elvish root that's so that's wonderful and that's what makes these languages feel so real and taste so good in your mouth is that they they have a history it's so cool it's so dorky i love it
1: yeah no we're going to do uh, some episodes about the, about Tolkien's language creation soon. And I look forward to getting into them. Cool, Not Me soon, too. soon, but sooner rather than later. And uh, they're going to be good. Uh, I really, it's a subject I, I really enjoy. So cool. Uh, the last is a Quenya word, um, Mairo, M-A-I-R-O, uh, which is translated as horse, uh, but without any real indication of its origin. Um, this comes from a, a version of Galadriel's Lament, um, the poem Namarié. Um, Tolkien wrote this poem a couple of times, and a lot of weird quenya words come from it because he would write it out and then decide he wanted to write the poem a different way and come up with a new word <laughs> to fit the, the poetic structure a little bit better. <laughs> so you get, we get some wonky vocabulary out of these poems. Um, so, uh, you can pretty much consider that it's not necessarily a valid piece of Quenya anymore, but there it is. He, at one point he thought that was the word for horse.
0: That's cool. That's good to know. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, a lot, so much of what we see of Tolkien is layers of things being finished and stuff. So maybe it's an early thing. Who knows? Yeah,
1: no, it definitely was earlier, uh, an earlier version. Um, the both, um, Rocco and olombo are considered more uh later and more for doing Quenya stuff are considered more appropriate uh, words things Clear. to to use than
0: Miro. So well that was that was cool. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Thank
1: you. Not really useful in any way for the rest of this discussion, but in case you wanted to know how to say horse and quenya, there you go.
0: I do now I could be like, I love. Like love. I love, and that means horse. See what I did there? Okay. I love ho- I love horses. All right, I'm done. I horse horses. I'm done. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Doot doot. Do. All
1: right. Um, so let's talk about some horses. I think we've we've laid the groundwork. Let's let's talk about some horses.
0: I'm so excited. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yay. I am uh, just be like. I'm going to need to like rein it in a little bit here. Get it. Rain it in.
1: Oh, I'm, Jesus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all, right. all right. I want some information. Pony up. Pony up. Give me oh, some information. oh, God. OK. <laughs> There's so many more I could do. So I'm going to stop for now.
1: Uh, let's start in the Silmarillion.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about some elf horses. So these yeah, are let's do it. These are some elf, elf boy horses.
1: Or girl horses.
0: Well, no, I, well, yeah, no, that, I, I just don't think, I think they're all males.
1: Or, well, I thought you meant elf girl and elf boys.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh yes. Elves of both, of all genders, yes. many, many genders, all the genders can Although have Although I all do think
1: horses. all the, all the elves we're going to explicitly talk about are boys.
0: Yeah. That's um,
1: fine. We're going to, for the first uh, horse we're going to talk about alphabetically is Asfaloth, who is the white horse of Glorfindel. Um, I guess technically he shows up in the Lord of the Rings, but Glorfindel is a uh, also shows up in the um, Silmarillion, so he gets True. listed under elves.
0: Yeah, he was a good boy, right? He, yeah. in the least in the Lord of the Rings, that horse was super helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, he is a white horse. Uh, he is the horse that carries Frodo in his wounded state. Uh, all the way to Rivendell, uh, when, after he is wounded at, uh, Weathertop.
0: Right. So we see this horse in Peter Jackson's movies, but of course it's not Glorfindel riding. He's been replaced by, um, Arwen for whatever reason. I actually,
1: Um, I mean, this is a slight aside, but that's actually, I actually like that change.
0: I do too. It's really cool. Yeah.
1: Um, I know, I I
0: know. Come fight us. I know everyone's going to fight us, but whatever. I think it's cool.
1: Yeah, uh, side digression, but i yeah. it's, that's actually one of the few, one of the, the changes from the movies that I actually like the most. Um, Me too. Glorfindel's like a throwaway character that does nothing, yeah. really, in the books. He shows up and it's like, oh, Glorfindel, way to fuck up Tolkien's naming conventions. Um, <laughs> and in the movies, it helps establish Arwen's character. So you actually give more of a shit about Arwen's character when she yeah. shows up later on in the films. It helps build her character up
0: absolutely so yeah. Um, plus yeah. i really like
1: i really like the scene where she gets the drop on aragorn i that, I, I like that one.
0: Oh, what's this The ranger cut off his guard right that part yeah okay
1: <laughs> um anyway um so yeah asfaloth is is a a good a good dude um he outruns the the ring wraiths. that's pretty impressive yes and they r- runs right up to through the fords of Bruinen, and uh, yeah, I feel I feel like that that gets him some points saving the ring bearer.
0: Oh yeah, huge! He's getting all the best hay tonight, Notes and all kinds of good stuff.
1: <laughs> all the best hay.
0: <laughs>
1: um, let's see who's next on our list.
0: Maybe we should talk about Nahar if we're if we're kind of sticking to Silmarillion boys.
1: Oh yeah, okay. Well, this it, Nahar is kind of the. Uh, el jefe of silmarillion horses here Uh, nahar (laughs) is the legendary horse ridden by Óromë, uh the huntsman of the valar one of my uh, like my number three favorite valar he's pretty
0: he's pretty cool guys i'm actually reading the silmarillion you'd be so proud of me and Óromë is very cool he he was the one who discovered men right that they were awake he's cool i like him
1: uh elves not men. Oh right, no, yeah.
0: you're right. Sorry. Right.
1: <laughs> elves, uh, still cool. Um, I like Orme because he. Um, so the reason I like Orme is because he never gives up on the elves. He's still looking for them the whole time, while the rest of the Valar are kind of like, eh, we'll just wait, we'll figure it out. They'll wake up eventually, and we'll deal with Morgoth then. And um, Orme is like, that seems like a bad call. I- I'm, I'm gonna go check. um
0: and good thing he did yeah
1: um because he's off so we'll get there in a second here but uh he's off riding riding nahar who is uh said to be whose coat was said to be white under the sun but shimmer in silver in the night and his feet were shod in gold i'm pretty sure gold is a crappy horseshoe but uh it's you know very soft <laughs> uh orame is a god or a, an angel at least so he can probably make gold that is hard enough to ride a horse on
0: i so. think so and what a fancy horse nahar would have been huh so yeah shimmering. very
1: very 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 fancy um so in 1085 year of the trees Orme is riding and hunting I get that Orm is the huntsman, but I I do wonder about the whole hunting thing. That seems unfair for a god to hunt like a deer, but that's neither here nor there.
0: Maybe he used his left hand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's near Orokarni when Nahar gives a great neighing and stood still. So I like that it's basically, it's Nahar that finds elves, not Orme.
0: Oh, it was. Oh my gosh, it was. It was his cute little horsey eyes. That's yeah. rad.
1: So Orme goes still, and what does he hear? But the singing of many voices. Uh, thus Nahar alerted his master to the existence of the awakened elves, who were all hanging out around Quivienen. Which fun fact? Quivienen was made from the ruins of the uh, the lamps. So,
0: Oh, the busted up Silmarils?
1: Wait. No, so uh, no, wait. Uh, the first light of Middle-earth was these two big lamps. Oh, right. And, the lamps. Yeah, and then Morgoth knocked those down in his first act of petty vindictiveness. And <laughs> that's where the the lake of Quivienen came from. It was the wreckage point where one of the lamps came crashing down. And that's where the elves woke up.
0: That's so cool. That's awesome.
1: Anyway, um, after Melkor and Ungoliant had attacked the two trees in Valinor, uh, about 400 years later, uh, they left this terrible, unbreakable darkness uh, on Valinor. Uh, Manway sees the darkness moving north, and Orome goes in pursuit, and he hops up on Nahar and Nahar's hooves spark in the dark and that's the first light that returns to Valinor.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. Good. It's very hopeful, right? Like that light will return. I, I yeah. like I like that.
1: Yeah. So Nahar is is pretty damn fly. Um he's a real real good good fella.
0: It's a good um, pony.
1: Yeah, I really like Orme, and I really like. I think Nahar's uh, pretty cool. Lots of fun stuff going on there. One thing I think that's really interesting about Nahar is the, um, and this is really more interesting, more uh, sort of a facet of how Tolkien operates, is that he doesn't attribute any specifically weird supernatural stuff to him, the way some other. Mythological pantheons would to a hunter's horse. He's just a he's just a horse. Um, of course, of course, of course, of course. But I think that's cool that he isn't trying to like his his hooves don't create thunder or, or like you know what I mean.
0: Right, right. Like we see in the Kalevala, they talk about the hooves yeah. creating thunder and lightning. Yeah, yeah.
1: He, he's yeah. He's his master's steed, which I think is interesting that he he. I think the point I'm getting at is that the horse is fundamentally a horse and not some sort of mythological object.
0: I like that. Yeah. He's just a companion. Yeah. And a good boy.
1: Uh, all right. So, so who do we, we got about, next?
0: How about, uh, ro Am I saying that right? ro or ro <laughs>
1: Um, ro That's what I thought. <laughs> Uh, Rokalor was the great horse of High King Fingolfin. Uh, two fun facts about the name Fingolfin. First, uh, in an early draft of the Hobbit, there was a goblin named Fingolfin because mm. Tolkien did not know that he was going to make the Hobbit a part of Middle-earth.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah so Second, he named a bad so wait a goblin's like kind of a bad guy right
1: yeah because he just was randomly picking names out of his own legendary MTUs in it can um, i
0: say something about all these f names there's too many of them i can't keep them all finway <laughs> Fingolfin, finway fan fin, god uh, damn it I, Finarfin, I want yes oh Finngolfin, no see you're adding more
1: uh yeah, no, the, the whole line of There's Finway is is riddled with F names. Yes. It's kind of a pain in the ass. I can't
0: keep any of them straight. I I would like a song or a, some kind of device that I can like sing to remember all these names like Golfin was a high king and he had a great horse or something. Give yeah. me something to work with here, people. So I, I need you all to work on this and get back to me.
1: Uh, yeah, they're a little ridiculous. <laughs> um, Finrod, another one. Oh, Oh, geez. Um, it's cause they're all descended from Finway and they're all, uh, father, na- they're all taking pieces of Finway, uh, from, for their name. That's oh, where it's no. skull coming from.
0: Shoot. That makes perfect sense. Now I can't be mad about it cause it's clever and cool. Well, it's, it's, it's a little stupid, but <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> given, given the way elving naming conventions work, it, it, it makes sense sort of. Um, the second fun fact about Fingolfin is I jokingly asked my wife if, if I could name our son Fingolfin and uh, three years later, I'm still getting shit for it.
0: <laughs> Why did you want to name your son Fingolfin? What is I it about didn't. that I guy would really, If
1: I was going to name my son after an elf, it would have been Finrod. But Fingolfin was just the first one that came to mind. Yeah, uh,
0: Finrod is harder. You don't want to. That's, that's a tough name. Unless well, you're named Finrod and then it's a beautiful name.
1: Uh, I mean, yes, it's just that Finrod is the best elf. Um, I
0: know. Like, I'm just
1: saying, if I were going to name a kid after uh, an elven king, it would be Finrod, who is demonstrably the, the best elf. Yes. Um, is. Fingolfin's, is a straight baller. Like, he, he knows what's up. Like, so, Rokalor was the great horse that High King Fingolfin, who was one of the High Kings of the Noldor, rides out to the gates of Angband and challenges Morgoth to single combat um That's and crazy fucks him up really um, he well cl- he wounded he crippled morgoth so that morgoth forever after uh ha- bore a limp and wow. was like had a wound that would not heal because morgoth had invested so much of his power at that point that he couldn't repair his physical form enough to to uh fix the wound he had
0: wow Fingolfin was uh, kind of a baller she's
1: yeah, it, the, the battle went on for, like, God, I'm, I'm not remembering the specific details, but it went on for a while. I think, like, days or something like that. And, but eventually, uh, he was killed. Uh, Rokalor stays with Fingolfin until his death, uh, is assailed by wolves, the Aww. wolves of Angband, outruns them, uh, and then comes to Hithlum, Where the Noldor encamped and then dies uh, of a broken heart.
0: Oh my god, what? Buddy! That's, I'm gonna cry. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Oh no, it's like, what's that dog that waits on the platform in Japan for his owner? That's not Uh, good. Now I'm gonna cry forever. Hachigo? Yeah, hot. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, shoot, Rokalor, you're killing me with your little cute broken heart. Yeah, that's a... He's a good horse.
1: Yeah. Good boy.
0: He's a really good boy. And he has a cool name, even if I can't really say it that well. Every Mm -hmm. time I say anything in Elvish, it sounds stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because I don't have a good accent, and also I don't know what I'm talking about. So there you go. Beep, boop. boop. So there are also some um, elf-owned horses uh, in The Lord of the Rings. Um, Perhaps we could talk about that.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I did. He's out of order. I was supposed to do Eorok in the Silmarillion, not Asfaloth.
0: Oh, that's fine. Oh, well, we should probably talk about Eorok then before we move on.
1: Yeah, let's do Eorok. Um, since it's a short one.
0: Yeah. Um, Who is Eorok?
1: Eorok is a horse ridden by Hurin in the First Age. Huren, oh,
0: that, that's Turin's being, dad, right?
1: Yeah, being Turin's dad. That's it. <sighs>
0: Oh, that's easy. Okay, not too much, but a kind of a cool name. Aroch. I like it. Yep. A R R O C H. I've A-rock. decided that I've been naming, I don't think this is a breach of privacy, but I've been naming all of my like iPhones and iPads, you know how you have to name them. I've been naming them after the horses, horses. <laughs> and this might have to be my next one cuz Aroch is a cool name. I yeah, like nice.
1: Uh so yeah, let's let's do the other Lord of the Ring horses. Horse.
0: Just one I think is left. Yeah. Right oh yeah.
1: Rohirrin. That's kind uh, of a cool
0: horse too. We don't not doesn't have a super huge part. Sort of. Well, it kind of does. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Keep going.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I like this one. Um. Doesn't show up in the movies, but in the book, uh, Rohirrin was the horse of Aragorn, brought to him out of the north by the Rangers during the War of the Ring, and said to have been a gift from Arwen.
0: Ooh, that's nice.
1: This is not my translation but um looking up the definition of the name is a Sindarin name softened from pure Sindarin, meaning it's a gondor Sindarin name softened from pure Sindarin. rocheren meaning steed of the lady the first element of is roch horse and the second heron meaning lady
0: that's from um the tolkien gateway website right so yeah yeah but you you so I mean that's good for me to hear that there's different, you know, we don't all have to agree on these names, right? What What do you think?
1: Uh, it makes sense. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool. No, I, I I just didn't. I was just clarifying that I didn't Trent, I didn't come up with that that etymological breakdown.
0: Gotcha. Breakdown. Yeah. Well, steed of the lady makes sense if it was from uh, if he came from Arwen. That's pretty yeah. cool. Oh, what a good boy! I'm sure he did lots of good stuff, but I don't know what any. Well, so then, so then that horse must have been with Aragorn. What in the Battle of Plenor Fields, right?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'd have
0: to check on yeah, that Yeah,
1: because they the uh, Aragorn met up with the Rangers. His, the Rangers on when he was going through after he leaves uh, the Rohirrim and goes through the Paths of the Dead. Yes, And goes that's on his, right. crazy, yes. uh, his crazy ride um, and then meets up with Palenar Field. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. We had it there. All right. Well, that's for, so then that horse went with him then through the paths of the dead. That's pretty neat.
1: Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right? No, they, they didn't Seeming they meet up with the Gray like. Company?
0: Oh, on the other side?
1: On the other side. I, I kind of don't, I kind of, I kind of don't remember off the top of my head which side, where the where the Gray Company met up with this. I feel like it was after.
0: Yeah, maybe it was after. Because he said anyway. goodbye to Eowyn, right? And then... Yeah. Oh, boy. Someone better like fact that. check us. We might have a correction call the sack yeah. about that. We'll see.
1: Um, so one thing I want to point out with this one is this is an example we were talking about earlier uh, from the uh, Beowulf section about horses being like gifts or signs of...
0: Loyalty. or
1: Loyalty. Where was the exact phrase? Kingly generosity, treasures of great value, exchanged to show reciprocal loyalty and gratitude. Um, Yeah, I like that. And I think this is a a pretty good example of that. This is Arwen, who, through uh, her father, is sort of conferring. Aragorn obviously doesn't need to have kingly uh, kingly generosity bestowed upon him, Um, but he does. In his role as a ranger, he kind of is out in the, out in the field. And I think there's a certain amount of the horse indicating her approval of him and sort of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: It's kind of like a, I can't really some help grace you from, him. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's like, you. I can't be with you, but I am going to send something that will care for you in my stead kind of maybe.
1: Yeah yeah so i think but i think going back to the this quote i think it's uh showing him using horses in that in that way that we see in beowulf
0: that's cool i really like that yeah
1: yeah so now we come to steph's favorite section
0: oh my gosh guys i've been waiting to talk about rohan for a very long time and now it is time i mean we're not going to get into the history of rohan i think we should do that on a separate episode Um, yeah, but we're definitely going to talk about something very important, a very important part of Rohan, which is their horses. I didn't write this in our outline, but of course the standard that you see of Rohan is the white horse against the dark green background. So, you know, they're kind of important.
1: Yeah. So what are, uh, so the, the Merus are the horses of Rohan.
0: Actually, Uh, can we say one more thing before you go into that? Yeah we hear the folks of rohan being referred to as horse lords and there's a really excellent quote that is like my favorite thing ever um i wrote it in my section called fun rohan horse things uh in chapter 3 of uh the two towers ugluk the urukai, is talking to grishnak who's the the orc um sent from uh mordor and he says this wonderful quote the cursed horse boys have got wind of us. And I just love the phrase horse boys. It's my favorite thing ever. And then he segues into wanting to eat horse flesh, which is not the best. But anyway, I just wanted to say that, um, yeah, Rohan is so kind of um, ubiquitous with. Is that the right word? It's, it's yeah. just like inseparable from horses. Yeah. And there's a very special kind of horses that we're going to talk about first.
1: Yeah. And these are the mirrors. Um, the mirrors are a special kind of horse. Um, they're not your average horse. They are only ridden by the uh, lords of Rohan, kings of Rohan. Pretty cool. Um, the the Miras originated with the founding of Rohan. Um, Eorl is was the man who founded, who sort of originally founded Rohan. And his father liod was a tamer of horses among the eothed who captured this wild white horse while it was still a foal and he tries to tame it and when he attempted to mount it it threw him and escaped killing liod and his son erol uh very reasonably uh as one does vows vengeance on the horse <laughs> a weird that's a fox, normal thing do. <laughs> but okay Um, and sets out with his crew to go and find this horse. Um, I, I, I really like this, this idea that this, this guy is like this one, fuck this one particular horse, (laughs) um, that, you know, not like my dad who, I just feel like it's only in this, only in a story like this would a guy take, take a a horse throwing your dad this personally that you're going to find that particular horse. But okay. Yeah, anyway. it kind
0: of seems like a spur of the moment decision. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, he was really up on his high horse about oh, that. Okay.
1: <laughs> Dude's so
0: mad at me right now. <laughs> oh my uh, God. I love
1: it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they track down this horse, and his his bros think they're going to kill this horse with arrows because obviously this horse is some kind of demon horse, I guess. Uh, But no, Uh, Errol yells at the horse
0: (laughs) because that works
1: uh, and says, come hither man's bane and get a new name, which is ballsy, uh, but works (laughs) because the the horse horse is like,
0: like, all right, I'm sick of running. Sure.
1: uh, So it it walks up and he names him Fedorov and says, I don't blame you for loving your freedom. But you owe me a guild, which is an ancient concept of owing payment for the death of a family member or clan member or something like that. And he says, out of reparation for the death of my dad, you're going to serve me for the duration of your life. And since Felleroff can apparently speak to humans Mm -hmm. or understand them, it's not clear which one, but he agrees So Errol mounts up with neither bit or bridle. I don't know what either of those are, but, uh, I assume that's difficult to do. And you need both uh, of
0: those things. That's the part that goes on the horse's face and that's the bit in their mouth. So you can like turn them and steer them and stuff.
1: Okay, cool. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, but yeah, so (laughs) for the rest of, uh, for the rest of their relationship, um, that was the horse that Errol would ride into the f- Battle of the Field of Celebrant, which is where Rohan kind of came to be. Uh, as a reward for the their participation in that battle, um, Errol's people were granted the lands that would become the nation of Rohan. So it's a uh, pretty
0: big th- deal. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so it's it's understandable why they're, why this horse would become such a, a signifier for Rohan. Meanwhile, Felaroff would go on to found the line of the Maras, these horses that would only tolerate the kings of Rohan and were as long-lived as men.
0: Yeah, usually horses live like twenty or thirty years, right? So that's that's quite a yeah old ass horse.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a one way of putting it.
0: Got <laughs> to get a little long in the face there, a little long in the tooth, eh? <sighs> um,
1: this is all from. Uh, lord of the rings appendix a the house of Errol, which has the full sort of history of rohan in it and is slightly more eloquent than my uh my summary uh so you should go read it but
0: (laughs) yeah that's cool but that i think that was really helpful to know where these where these horse boys come from
1: uh and in lord of the rings there are several maris uh but before we talk about them Steph is gonna give us a little a little background on the term Maris.
0: Yeah, I thought that was kinda interesting. So here I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down a truth about myself that's embarrassing. But in like oh, when did we get AOL? When did people get AOL? Like, okay, so probably around nineteen ninety eight. One of my first screen names that I ever had uh, was like "Mera's 1983, because I thought that was so cool. Um, <laughs> I've always loved that. I can't believe I'm telling you guys. Please don't tell anyone else. Don't spread it around. But it's very embarrassing. So anyway, I've always just really liked this word a lot. I think it sounds cool. It kind of sounds like the word mare, right? Which is like a female horse. But guess what? Um, there's, I think there's a lot more in this name than meets the eye. When, so I looked up, you know, on Tolkien Gateway and a couple other of these really helpful and wonderful online databases um, full of Tolkien nerdery knowledge. The uh, Tolkien Gateway says that the word Maros comes from an old English word that just, you know, Maros, which basically means horse. Um, and I actually am going to argue that that's not totally correct. So get ready to fight me. Um, so as you guys know from earlier in this episode, I did a ton of research into horses that i thought that tolkien uh would have kind of had in his zeitgeist so looking up beowulf and volsunga saga and <clears throat> trying to look in a little bit more about these horses and what i've discovered is you know which is kind of a duh moment but what i discovered is that there are lots of different words for horses in these poetic works of old english and old norse um and these different terms for horses were descriptors uh that often talked about what the horse did or what it was for so i mentioned this already but there's this really cool article called hrothgar's horses feral or thoroughbred and i can actually put the source of that um in the show notes if anyone's interested uh it's by a woman named jennifer neville and uh jennifer went through and collected a bunch of terms um for all of these horses. So they talk about horses that pull carts and that carry luggage and that horses that were kind of fit to ride or horses that were for breeding. You know, she talks about also, you know, horses that were for Kings or nobility, um, in particular. And even, um, something that we see a lot in tolkien's work would be like war horses or horses that are kind of fit for battle and you know if we think about this we still use all these different terms for horses today you know nag or pack horse or race horse or trotter or you know if you're a horse nerd you know all these kind of different horse terms so it doesn't it doesn't it's not too weird of a concept to think that Mm -hmm. in these old poetic works you know, they'd have different, different words. And of course, we know that Tolkien, lo- of course, he loves language and he would be aware of all these different terms. So I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, there's a really nifty. So the Journal of Medieval History back in 2012 published a paper called, oh no, shoot, now I'm going to have to say words. I don't know how to say. Hwar quam merah? The Horse in Anglo-Saxon England by Sarah Laret Kiefer from Trent University in Canada. She basically states that the word mare is similar to the Old Norse word for mar, which is a term that she points out is primarily in poetry, which I think is kind of cool. And that's uh, what she says is that is a That word is sort of favored for describing racehorses. And she gives an example in Beowulf, where we see um, it's there. I I didn't write the whole quote because I'm not going to be able to say it anyway, but they're talking about swift uh, mare meaning swift horse or you know running horses um and i she must be they must be talking about the danes or something cuz don't those guys rush in on horses i'm pretty sure she also talks about you know um steeds or mounts being uh talked about it. or using the word Maras in you know other poems this the rune poem and all kinds of other examples it's pretty interesting um in that paper to hear about that um, but that the fact that they're using this term, Meraz, instead of a more generic term like horse, H-O-R-S, which is just kind of like a ho-hum, boring, you know, cart horse.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that
0: she's making the point that they're choosing this poetic term, Meraz, meaning a running horse, um, over something really boring. Because we often, and she points out that in a couple of these poems, we see all of these versions of horses being used. Um and her point is that this really indicates this kind of pan germanic in uh, interest in celebrating horses in language and i think tolkien would have understood that and i think um, he would have really enjoyed those nuances and i think that's where we get the term maras i really think it's it's like a it's not just horse it's like a a running racehorse kind of guy and i think that's that's what the maras are right that's what at least if we talk about one specific one Maybe his name is Shadowfax. He's pretty good at being, you know, a racing a guy. Racing yeah. yeah, so anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if that's true or not, but I thought kind of cool just to learn a little bit about horses and what Anglo-Saxons thought of them and what they were used for. So, yeah.
1: No, that's and cool. I think the point you make in your outline here that I want to uh, highlight that I think is really, really good is uh, Tolkien definitely would have understood the nuances that you're, you're, you're calling out here. Um, Tolkien loved poetry and loved language and was very particular with his, with his language creation and, um, choosing that specific word for horse, given a whole array of, uh, poetic and various words for horses would have been a a deliberate choice. Uh, and I think it's really interesting that you dug in and found, uh, that there were all these versions of horse. So he, he, wasn't just picking the word for horse. He was picking the word, the poetic word that indicates that it's a swift horse, um, absolutely fits what we, we know about the horses of, of Rohan. That totally seems to, to fit for me. Um, so I think that's really, really interesting. I think it's super cool that you dug into that. Um, and that's super fascinating to me. Um, the stuff that you, you pulled up about the various different kinds of sort of, some are poetic and some are more mundane. That's super interesting.
0: Thanks. Cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed it.
1: and on but this episode is over join us next week for the conclusion of this horsey episode as we wrap up our discussion of the various maras and talk about the villainous steeds of middle earth
0: if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review on itunes as it helps increase our visibility you can find us on the web at www.podcast.athrabeth.com you can find the show on twitter at Athrobath underscore cast. Jude can be found at Aramidic Jude, and I can be found at The North Four. The title music is Lord of the Devil Rings by Pony Music, courtesy of Pond Five. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening.